You're listening to The Power to Change, a sermon series about five words that have the power to change our lives. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. All right, how are we doing, Elevate? We doing good? Yeah. Yeah. Look at the person sitting next to you and just tell them they ought to be grateful today. Right? Tell them. They're alive. Tell them they're alive. And they get to sit by you. They should be grateful. They should be grateful. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews. I'm one of the pastors here. And I am so glad that you are joining us today. We're in the middle of a series that we have titled The Power to Change. The Power to Change. And what we've been doing is really looking at words that have the power to change the course of our lives. And the word that we're going to look at today is a three-letter word. It's the word yes. Everybody say yes. Yeah, that word right there has the power to really change everything about your life. It's, it's really true. All of the most important aspects of your life happen at the word yes. When you first asked that girl to go out with you and she said Yes, it changed everything. When you were practicing to become a, to be able to drive, you know, and then you go and you take your driver's test and you're wondering, did I pass? Did I pass? Did I pass? And you hear that word, yes, it changes things. When you ask that girl to marry you and she said yes, or if you were the person who said yes because you were asked to marry them again, that word changed you forever. How many parents are here today? We got parents. You own a child. If you're here, raise your hand. All right. Yeah. A lot of us here, several people, several people. So do y'all remember, do you remember the first time or do you remember like when you found out that you really were uh, a parent, you know, when you took that test and that test said, yes, you were pregnant. Anybody, anybody remember that? Uh, for, for uh, Amanda and I, uh, we've got three kids and we, you know, we were really trying to have the first one. Uh, the second two kids, we weren't necessarily uh, really trying to have. We were practicing, if you know what I'm saying, but we weren't really trying. So we thought we were taking precautions, you know? And so uh, I remember I remember when we found out with Sadie Kate. Some of y'all have heard this story, and that's okay. You can hear it again. It's really funny. Uh, and so we started, we, we had gone to church one Sunday, and, and after church, we went to El Sombrero. And, uh, uh, and when we go to El Sombrero, I don't really venture off too far. Uh, there's just a couple things I get. Usually I get the salsa special, special uh, mixed, all three, no vegetables. And Amanda, she gets a number 23 bean burrito, or she gets two soft tacos, no lettuce, okay? So we don't venture out much. So we go to El Sombrero. I order the salsa special. Amanda gets the number 23 bean burrito, and uh, she orders her food, and we eat our food. And so after we eat, we're heading to the coast because we're going to celebrate our anniversary and uh, we're excited. But the problem was Amanda had been bitten by a spider. Okay. And so Amanda shows me the spider bite and she's like, Hey, do you think I need to go get this looked at by a doctor? And so after I threw up, I was like, Oh my goodness. Yes. You got to go get that thing looked at. It looks nasty. How many of y'all ever seen the walking dead? You know, like when somebody gets bit by a zombie, you know what I'm saying? And it starts, that's, if I'm exaggerating, it's only slightly, but that's what that spider bite looked like to me. Uh, I really thought Amanda was going to become a zombie. And so I said, yes, you got to go get that checked out. And so again, it's Sunday. We go to church, go to El Sombrero. And the only place that's open on a Sunday is the MEA in Jackson. And so we go to the MEA in Jackson. And when we get there, uh, we finally get put into a, a patient room or whatever. And the doctor comes in there and he asks Amanda a couple questions. And then he says, we need to take a few tests and he asked Amanda to give a urine sample. And so she says, okay. She does the urine sample. She gives them some blood. And about 15 minutes later, the doctor comes into the room and the doctor's like, congratulations. 
And so me, I'm sitting here going, man, that's the weirdest thing you could ever say to somebody who was bit by a spider. Congratulations. And so I thought, well, some doctors just don't have good bedside manners, so maybe he doesn't know what he's doing, you know. And so he comes in there, and I'm like, congratulations on what? And he says, congratulations on the pregnancy. And I'm sitting here going, what? See, I really thought the doctor had picked up the wrong patient file and walked into the wrong room. And I was like, doctor, we're here for a spider bite. And he says, oh, yeah, I know, but uh, you're, you're pregnant. You guys didn't know. And I was like, no, I ain't know. No, no, I, no, we didn't know. And I said, are you sure? And the doctor says, yes. And I'm like, but we just had Mexican. Amanda just ate beans. You know what I'm saying? Is it possible that that somehow gave a false report and the doctor's laughing at me just like y'all are laughing at me right now? But you know it's true when you eat a lot of Mexican, it does stuff to your body, right? So I'm sitting here thinking, man, you know, maybe there's something wrong. And so he's laughing. He says, no, I assure you she is pregnant. Well, I didn't believe him. So I made Amanda get some tests from Kroger and those tests from Kroger also said yes. And I still didn't believe those tests. And so I made Amanda set up a, an appointment with her, uh, you know, the lady doctor. And so, uh, the lady doctor confirmed it as well. And so I just didn't believe it. I could not believe it. It took three yeses. It took three yeses for me to finally believe uh, the yes over my life. There was a yes that was spoken over my life, and it was just hard for me to receive. And what I want you to know today is that God speaks a yes over your life and over my life. But sometimes it's hard for us to accept his yes. Sometimes it's hard for us to even believe that he would say yes to us because we are so accustomed to the word no. And, and the word no, it's an effective tool for you and I to make some space in our life and really clear some things out. But when you and I hear no over and over and over and over and over again, it really has a negative impact on our mentality. Turn to the person sitting next to you and in the most stern voice you can do, just say no. Some of y'all look like y'all enjoyed that. No. But some people are like, I just can't do it. It doesn't feel right. It just doesn't feel right to say, to say no. I just don't, I don't feel like that. And so, uh, you know, here's, what, here's, here's the deal. John Ortberg said this, you cannot live on a steady diet of no in your life. Uh, but we just don't like that word. Week before last, I was staying at my father-in-law's house, and so he was asking me what I was going to preach about last week, and I told him that I was going to preach about the word no, how it was hard for some of us to say no, and how really, uh, you know, we needed to say no to the right things, uh, to the things that we really needed to say no to, and he looks at me and he says, I don't have a problem saying, saying no to anything, and I just kind of laughed, you know. I said, really, you don't have a problem saying no to anything, and he said, oh, I can say no to anything, and so I thought I was going to put him to the test, and without skipping a beat, I said, so you don't love your wife? And he was like quiet. You know what I'm saying? And so, I, and so I was like, yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. You know what I mean? But again, we, we can't live on a steady diet of no. The truth is we were made for yes. We were made for yes. So look at the person sitting next to you now and put a smile on your face and just look at them and say, yes. Yes. Isn't that different? Isn't that feel much, that much, that feels much better. Again, you were made for Yes, there's a book in the New Testament called 2 Corinthians. It was written by Paul, the Apostle Paul, and, and Paul wrote often to the church in Corinth. He really helped them through a lot of issues. He helped them through a lot, a lot of divisive times and, and things that were really just trying to destroy the church. And so in Corinthians, what you see is that Paul wanted to visit the church in Corinth, but uh, his schedule got way too busy, and he just wasn't really able uh, to do it. And so in the middle of all those 
feelings of telling the people in Corinthians that he had ho- or Corinth that he had hoped to, to come and visit them, but he wasn't able to. He kind of switches gears and he talks to them about the character of God. He talks to them about the work of the Son and also the outworking of the Holy Spirit in our life. And here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 16. I want you to see this. Here's what it says. Paul says, I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and then to have you uh, send me on my way to Judea. So you see what Paul is saying there. Paul is saying, hey, I'd really hoped I was going to be able to stop uh, on my way to Macedonia and spend some time with you. And then after I left Macedonia, I was wanting to stop again and spend some time with you, catch up, you know, just enjoy one another's company. In verse 17, he says, was I fickle when I intended to do this? So obviously, Paul didn't do what he said he was going to do. Paul disappointed people. Again, his schedule did not allow it. And he says, when I said I wanted to come, was I just being fickle? Was I just telling you what I thought you wanted to hear? Or, he says, do I make my plans in a worldly manner? So then in the same breath, I say both yes, yes, and no, no. What Paul is talking about here is the inevitability of human disappointment. There, there are times, even when we have the best intentions, that we still disappoint people. There really are times. Even with the best intentions, sometimes, sometimes we disappoint others. How many of you have ever been disappointed by somebody? You know what I mean? Don't point if they're sitting next to you, but it happens. You know what I'm saying? We do we get disappointed? Uh, but seriously, even again, when we try our hardest, we have a tendency of disappointing people. And so uh, he, he switches gears from the disappointment that he has given to the people to what God does to us. Uh, this is unbelievable. I want you to see it in verse 18. The Bible says this, but as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no, basically back and forth is what Paul is saying. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. What what is Paul saying here? I want you to circle that word amen, that word amen in that passage, because here's the deal. Uh, the word amen in the Greek can also be, be translated yes. Uh, Paul uses two words basically for the word yes. The word yes that he uses is a very common word, but the people who were originally reading Paul's letter here or who would have been hearing him talk, they understood that that word amen also meant Yes, and so what is Paul saying when he says that, hey, you know what, you are the amen of God? What is Paul saying? Paul is trying to get the Corinth church to have a shift in their thinking and a shift in their attitude, and so why does this even matter? Well, here's why it matters. You and I, for every relationship that we have, for every relationship that we have, we have either a yes or a no for that person. When you walk up to someone or when someone walks up to you and and they're always nice to you, they always help you, they are always kind to you, they always love you, that person, when they come up to you, will probably cause you to smile and you will naturally have a yes for that person. 
But on the other hand, if someone walks up to you who is always being rude to you and it's always being ugly and it's always taking from you and making things complicated, oftentimes when that person walks up to you, you will automatically have a no for them. So the people that you work with, the people that you live near, the people you live with, the people you go to school with, your teachers, your brother, your sister, again, every person you have a relationship with, you either have a yes for or a no for. And here's the point of all of that. Because you and I carry a yes or a no for people, we naturally begin to think that God either has a yes or a no for us. We assume basically that God is circumstantial. We begin to think, hey, you know what? Well, I prayed more today, so God should have a yes for me, or I didn't pray today. So that means God has a no for me. Well, you know, I came to church today, so that means that God has a yes for me. Well, I skipped church today, so God has a no for me. But that's not the way that it works. And until you and I really understand how God works and how God feels about us, we're not going to be able to grow. Until we really understand, again, how God feels about us, we're going to be stuck in the same place. And so what I want to do today is I want, to, I want you to hear three yeses that God speaks to us. Three yeses that God speaks to us. If you're keeping notes, you want to write them down. The first yes that I want you to hear is the yes that God speaks over us. The yes that God speaks over us. And this has to do with the character of God. This has to do with who God is as our heavenly Father. This is the yes that He speaks over us because of who He is. It's not because of what we do or what we have done. It's not because of the way we look. It's not because of our job. It's not because of our net worth. It's not because of our behavior for the past 10 minutes or our behavior over the past 10 years. God says yes to you and yes to me because of who He is as our heavenly Father. The problem is you and I experience way too much rejection in this world. We really do. Too much rejection. It's crazy. How many of you remember, you know, the first time you ever asked somebody to go out with you? You remember that? Anybody? A couple people? Some of y'all? Have you ever asked somebody to go out with you? Help me out, okay? Some of y'all have. Well, I, I really do. I remember the first time that I ever asked somebody to go out with me. It was in junior high, and it was pretty scary. Uh, you know, uh, before school started, everybody stood in a courtyard. We didn't have like a, a commons area inside. We were always outside, sometimes under awnings, waiting on the bell to ring. And so my friends would stand together, and they were all, uh, all, everybody else had their groups of friends that they stood with. And I remember, you know, there was this girl who was always looking at me. You know, she was always looking at me, and she was always smiling, you know, and so I'd be flexing. Oh, I about ripped my shirt again. But you know what I'm saying? I'd be, I'd be flexing. Oh, you know, making, I was just, just a blessing and a curse. He's good looks of mine. And so I was like, hey, you know what? Her name was, we'll call her name Kim because that was her name and maybe she's listening online. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, so she was always smiling at me. She was always smiling. And so, uh, you know, one day I decided, you know, this is it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ask her to go with me. Did anybody ever ask somebody to go with you? I don't know why we asked that. We never went anywhere. Uh, but that's what we say. Hey, will you, will you go with me? And so I decided today's the day, man. I'm going to go up to her and I'm going to ask her to go out with me. So I walk up to her and I'm like, yo, girl, let me get them digits. You know, I didn't really do that. Uh, I, was, I walked up to her. And I was like, uh, hey, uh, Kim. <laughs> hey, uh, well, I, was, I was wondering, uh, 
if you go with me. That's what I asked her. And, and she's with her friends. And she's, she's quiet, but all of her friends start to laugh at me. All of her friends start to laugh at the situation. And her friends say, Kim doesn't like you. Kim likes Andy. See, apparently all those times I thought that she was smiling at me, she was actually smiling at my friend Andy, who was also in the group with us. And so everybody say, oh, yeah, I was devastated. Robert, what did you do? Well, I mustered up all the courage that I could, and I laughed about it too. And I said, good. My friends just dared me to come over here and ask you to go out with me. I didn't really want to go out with you. And I walked, walked away defeated, you know what I'm saying? But that's, how, that's how it was. I was crushed. Well, here's the deal. Scientists have figured out that if you were able to take your brain out of your head and put it in an MRI and able to put it in an MRI, what they have found out is that when you experience rejection, the same light, the same thing would light up in your brain. The same neuropathway lights up that would light up if you were to experience physical pain. The same, physical, the same physical reaction that you and I get because of something hurting us is the same, the same neuropathway that lights up in our mind when we experience rejection. So did Kim, did Kim have to go with me when I asked her to go with me? No, she did not. She didn't have to like me. But what this illustrates, again, to me, and it should illustrate to you, is that people, people sometimes hurt us. Sometimes, sometimes we experience rejection from others. And when we experience rejection from others, it hurts the same way. It hurts the same way to break your arm as it does to have your heart broken. It hurts the same way. And we go through life. And so the girl rejects us. The boy rejects us. Our job rejects us. Our school rejects us. The promotion isn't ours. Our kids reject us. Our spouse reject us. People on Facebook, they reject us. And so because we experience so much rejection in this world, we begin to think that God rejects us. That's really what happens. We slip into this mindset that God has a yes for us or a no for us. But I'm telling you that in your heart and in your mind, you need to know that God doesn't have a no for you. God has a yes for you. Nothing could be clearer in the Bible than God being for people. If you go back to the very beginning and you think about Adam and Eve, God put Adam and Eve in the garden and he said, you are free. You are free to eat of any, tr any tree, any fruit, except for one. He looked at Abraham. God looked at Abraham and he said, I want to make you into a great person. I want to make you into a great nation. I want to bless you so that all the other people of earth can be blessed. God looked at Moses and God said, Moses, what I'm asking you to do is going to be difficult, but I want you to know that I am going to be with you. God looks at the Israelites as they are wandering through the wilderness and he says, you are going to be my prized treasure, my prized possession to the ones who condemned Jesus to die on a cross, to the ones who beat him and mocked him and again nailed him to the tree. Jesus looked at those individuals with love and compassion and he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they are doing from beginning to end. You need to know that God has a yes for 
people. And the scripture teaches us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God has not changed. He is very much for people. The same God who said yes to Adam, Abraham, Moses, the Israelites is the same God who says yes to you and yes to me today. It's an amazing thing. I want you to see the last part of verse 19 in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. The Bible says this, but in him, it's always been yes. We have to have a shift in our mind. God loves you. It doesn't matter who you are. He has a yes for you. The guy might say no. The girl might say no. Your boss might say no. Your dog might say no. Your cat will definitely say no. But other people in your life might say no. But God is not saying no. God has said yes to you. And if you don't accept that, it's impossible to move forward. We're the ones who are obsessed with no. We're the ones so when you think about God, do you think about God having a yes for you or a no for you? What, do you? what is your mindset? What do you really think about God? Because again, the biblical account is clear. God says yes. That's his character. And do you know why he says yes to you? Because he's got, he's got great plans for you. He's got great hopes for you. You. So the first yes that you and I have to hear is God's yes over us. God's yes over us. If you keep a note, you want to write down the second thing. The second yes that I want you to see uh, today is God. God speaks a yes in you. God speaks a yes in you. Not just over you, but God speaks yes in you. Do, do you know that God is working in your life? He is. See, whether you feel it, or not, God is working. The truth is, God has made some commitments to each and every one of us, and he's going to, com- to keep those, those commitments no matter what. I got a friend, uh, one of my friends, who he's a great guy, great guy. Uh, he's a single guy, but he needs to be married. He needs him a wife, uh, and so uh, he would be a great father, and pretty often I tell him that. I say, hey, man, you need to get married. You need... You need a wife. And he says, you know what? I do want to get a wife. I do want to have kids. And uh, he says, but uh, I got a couple issues in my life that I want to work out before I really bring those into a relationship. And so a lot of times I say, you know what? You do have a few issues that you need to work out. In fact, uh, you, you need some help with that, man. You know, 24 7, uh, 7, I mean, 24/7 uh, 365 days a week, you need to work through those issues, you need someone to help you work through those issues. And I, I know that we wonder, well, who in the world would, would help us do that? It's called a wife, right? It's called a wife. That's, it's a wife who helps you work through those things, right? The, the God's, God's greatest discipleship program for just about every man in here is a wife. Amen? Amen? And, and ladies, it's the same for you. God's, God's greatest discipleship program for you is oftentimes, oh man, the Bible speaks about as iron sharpens iron, so we sharpen one another. Well, here's the deal. That is Christ's commitment to you as well. 24-7, 365 days a year, Christ is committed 
to you. He promises never to leave us. He promises never to forsake us. And he is working his promises in you. He is on the job even when you and I don't feel like he is on the job. So don't compare your life with someone else's life. Don't compare your situation and your circumstances with where someone else is in their life because the truth of the matter is God has his own agenda for you. Your life is not meant to look like someone else's life and their life is not meant to look like your life. A lot of times we get so overwhelmed when we look at where people are, other people are compared to where we are and we get so overwhelmed when we think about how far we've got to go that we oftentimes forget about how far we have come how far we have come. And God has made a promise that in him, we will be changed into the best version of ourselves that we can be. He's made that promise. Look at verse 20. Verse 20 says this, for no matter how many promises God has made, for no matter how many promises God has made, and someone uh, decided they were going to try to add up all the promises that were found in the Bible, and they found it to be 7,457 biblical promises. That's a lot of promises, right? And I guarantee you, God has not forgot a single one of them. God has not forgotten a single one of them. So it says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. They are yes in Christ. How many of you have ever had a case of buyer's remorse? You bought something, and after you bought it, you said, why? Why did I do that? I remember 1997. Man, back in the day, I bought me a Grand Prix, Pontiac Grand Prix GTP. It was so fine. I remember seeing it at Paul Moak Pontiac in Jackson. Man, I went over there, and that thing was black with chrome wheels. And, man, it had the heads-up display so that when you were driving, you didn't have to take your eyes off the road. You could see how fast you were going. It was supercharged. It was a 3.8-liter supercharged V6. I mean, it had 240 horsepower, which was what the Mustang GTs had at the time. So I would be running with the big dogs. That's what I was thinking. And so I'm looking at that, I'm looking at that, that, uh, that, that Pontiac Grand Prix at the dealership, and it's looking at me, looking back at me. It's got black, and it's got those chrome wheels, and it's just blinking at me. You know what I'm saying? Just take me home, Robert. And I was like, you're so beautiful. Okay. And so that's what, so I wanted to test drive the car. Just a true story. I want to test drive the car. So the, the salesperson goes and gets the keys. And so he goes and gets the keys and he brings them back to the car. I get in the car to drive the car, put the key in there. My mom's laughing because she knows it's true. And so I put the key in the car to crank it. And guess what happens? It won't crank. Now, that should have been a sign to me that this is not going to be a dependable car. But it had chrome wheels. It was so pretty. It was blinking at me. Please, Robert, don't leave me here in this parking lot. And so I said, all right, I got to have it. I got to have it. Well, let me tell you, man, that thing broke down all the time. I, it was seriously, I'm in school full time. I got a full time job and I'm trying to pay for this car that I've rarely got to drive. You know what I'm saying? It literally spent more time in the shop than it did on the road. They knew me by name at this dealership. Hey, there's Robert again. I was like, man, what in the world? I had such a case of buyer's remorse. And sometimes you buy things and you wonder why. Well, here's what I want you to understand is that God has no buyer's remorse when it comes to you and when it comes to me. God has no buyer's remorse about you. There was a day that God sent his one and only son, the most expensive thing that he could have given. He gave it because he didn't want to see you broke down in the shop all the time. 
He, he sent his son because he didn't want to see you just hopping along and not operating the way that you should. He sent his only son so that you could be fully restored and so you could be up and running to your fullest capacity. And God is not frustrated with how long it's taken for you and I to get there. God is not wringing his hands thinking, man, this has cost entirely too much. God, again, will do whatever is necessary for you and I to be the people that he wants wants us to be. You need to understand again that he has no buyer's remorse when it comes to you. You are the best thing he's ever purchased. You are. Some people want to clap about that. That's a good thing, I thought. The book of Colossians deals with this idea that God is in us, working in us. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 25 through 27, here's what the Bible says. It says, I have become its servant by the commission of God, by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. Watch this. Which is Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of Glory. Do, do you see that? Christ in you, working on his glory from the inside out. He is working towards your restoration. He is working towards my restoration. See, if you've got kids, you want them to do well. You have such high hopes for them, such high dreams for them. Well, what you need to understand is that if you are a child of God, and not just if you're a child of God, all of his children, all of his people, he looks at them so much more so and says, man, if they would just grab a hold of what I have for them. Again, every single one of the promises that God has made to us, he's working in us to bring those to, to fulfillment because he loves you. And one day, you'll hear the word, well done, well done. And you don't hear well done because of what you have done. You hear well done because you've been done well. Because he molded you and he made you into the person that he intended for you to be. It's his yes in you. So God speaks a yes over you. God speaks a yes in you. And the third thing, if you're keeping us, want to write it down, is this, and this is the most important one, is that God wants to speak yes through you. He wants to speak yes through you. See, God wants to use us. He wants to use each and every one of us to bring a yes to this world. Look at verse 20 again. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the Bible says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. The truth is, you are the amen of God. You are the amen of God. The problem with us really understanding what that means is that we have overused that word amen. We really have. Secular people use the word amen. We sing songs uh, about amen. Uh, that word has become kind of churchified, you know what I mean? And some people go, amen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's, it's not supposed to, it's not some chant that you say. It's not anything like that. It, it's really not. 
amen is actually a word of celebration. How many of y'all know that? It is a word of celebration. The great theologian Dallas Willard said, amen actually means yippee. Amen means whoopee. That's what, that's what it means. I mean, when you sit down to pray for your meal and you say, God, thank you for this meal. Amen. No. When you sit down for your meal, you're like, God, thank you for this chicken and macaroni. Whoopee. Some of y'all need to go out to eat today and try that. Other Christians will look at you like, what in the world has gotten in to those people? But amen, it's a celebration. See, I like it when people in the congregation respond. It encourages me. I think you get more out of it, you know what I mean? And I remember preaching at Greater Grove Street Missionary Baptist Church not too long ago, and man, they were excited, and I got excited, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm up there preaching, and after I got done preaching, one of our own church members came up to me and said, hey, Hey, Pastor Robert, how come you don't preach like that at our church? And I said, well, how come y'all don't listen like that at our church? You know what I'm saying? I was like, man, what in the world is going on? I mean, you know what I'm saying? I like it when people are excited. I like it. I like it when people are excited. But you have to know how to celebrate, to use the word amen appropriately. You have to use that word appropriately. If, if like I said, sin is running rampant in this world, you don't say amen to that. Yippee, sin's running rampant. In the, that's weird. You don't say that. If I say sin is running rampant, you say, God, help us, right? You say, God, help us. That is the proper response to that. But when I say, hey, you were made in the image and likeness of God, and God is very much for you. God has not abandoned you no matter what you are going through. God loves you so much. He sent his son to die for you so that you could live with him for eternity. That's when you say, right. I'm so proud of y'all. That's how you celebrate. See, listen to me. You are the amen of God. God looks at you and he says, yes. And if you and I don't embrace that, and if you and I don't, don't really allow ourselves to be the amen in this world, no one else will. No one else will. If you and I are not calling out the glory of God in this world, we can't expect anybody else in this world to ever see the glory of God. We can't. God wants you to be his amen. See, I'm wrapping up. I'm almost done. Y'all bear with me just a couple more minutes. But he wants you to be his amen. Why? Because not only does he love you, but he loves people who are far from him. He loves all people. God loves people. There isn't a person who is too far from God. There isn't a person who's made too many mistakes. There isn't a person who is too, too, and, and too much crisis. There isn't a person too big, too small, too young, too old that God doesn't desperately love. God loves people. You and I should never argue with God when it comes to loving people. He loves people. And you and I are God's strategy for reaching this lost and broken world. God's not inventing new ways to reach people far from him. He's not. God doesn't have a Facebook page, no matter if you see his name on there. God doesn't have a Snapchat or, a, or an Instagram. God's not, 
got some viral video that he says, man, if you'll just share this on Facebook, man, everybody's going to come to know me. He doesn't have that. But God does want to go viral. You are the social media of God. You are what is supposed to go viral. Because people are looking at you and they're looking at me. And they see the way that we live our life. They see the way that we respond. They see how we act. They see how we love. People are watching us. And God has spoken a yes over you. And God has spoken a yes in you. And he does it so that you can go out and speak a yes through you. So he can speak a yes through you. He wants, again, for you to be the amen. He wants you to be the one who goes out and tells others exactly how much he loves them. You and I are the ones who have to go. I was watching a video this past week about the devastating wildfires in California. They started on December 4th, and really the fires destroyed 281,620 acres. That's about an area that's larger than New York City. That is a huge area. And so when the fires first started, there was an individual, there was this young man, this, this guy who was watching the news and he saw that the fire was approaching the area where his grandmother lived. And so he tried to call his grandmother to make sure she was safe, but she didn't answer the phone. It was the middle of the night. So he jumps in his truck and he starts heading over to her house because he wants to make sure she's okay. And he said that as he was driving in towards her neighborhood, that it looked like a scene out of one of those uh, uh, you know, crazy movies about the end of the world. And he said that he was the only person that was driving towards the flame. Everybody else was evacuating. Everybody else was leaving. And so it made him want to drive that much faster and that much faster to get to his grandmother's house. And so when he gets to her house, he sees that the fire is basically in her backyard. So he runs to the door and he's banging on the door. He is knocking on that door as hard as he can, but there's no answer. See, his grandmother was 85 years old and she wore hearing aids. And every night she would take those hearing aids out. So he is banging and nothing is happening. So he begins to look all over the yard. He goes in the garage looking for some way he can get into this house and he just so happens to find a hammer. And so he begins to beat on that door and beat on that door trying to bust through the door. And eventually he makes it through the door and he's yelling, Grandmother! But there's no answer. So he runs back to her bedroom. And he grabs the door, and her door is locked. He's beating on the door and beating on the door, and there's no answer. And finally, he beats through the door, and his grandmother's asleep. So he wakes his grandmother up, and he's like, Grandmother, we've got to go. Grandmother, we've got to get out of here. Grandmother, you are in danger. And they were able to make it out. That young man is a hero. He's a hero. What stuck out to me about the story were a couple things. How he said everybody else was turning away. He was the only person that was going in to try to help. He was the only person who was going in trying to help. But I want you to know, folks, is that the will and call of God 
is for you and I to be willing to go in and help. What God is looking for is he's looking for people who will do whatever it takes to warn people that they are in danger. He is looking for people to pick up whatever tool they can and beat down whatever wall exists, whatever barrier is there, whatever door is there to get to people and tell them God loves you. He accepts you. He died for you. No matter who you are, he has a yes for you. He's looking for people who he can speak yes through. I'm telling you, God's call for you and for me is to reach this world. We are his one and only strategy. I hope you hear God's yes today. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual life. I know oftentimes we're all in different places. But maybe you're here today and you're so discouraged, you're so depressed. Again, in this world, we experience so much rejection, so much no. God's got you here today so that you can hear yes. He loves you. He died for you. And so if you know today you need to accept his love, You need to accept him into your heart. You need to be saved. I'm going to ask right where you are that you pray this prayer. Father, today, I surrender to you. I thank you for loving me enough to send your son to die for me. I confess you as Lord. You are my Savior. Help me, Father to live for you each and every day of my life. Help me, Father, to choose you. Help me, Father, to love you and realize that you are worthy. Again, every head bowed and every eye closed. But if you prayed that prayer today to be saved, to accept the yes that God has over you, to surrender your life to him right where you are. I'm going to ask that you lift your hand because I just want to know. I want to pray for you. Amen. 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 Father, I thank you so much for saving people. I thank you so much for saying yes to me. An individual who didn't think he was worthy of being loved, God, but you looked at me you said yes thank you for loving us so much thank you for all that you do I pray in Christ's name we'd like to thank you for listening and encourage you to visit our website at www.elevatechurch.ms so you can learn more about being blessed and blessing others at Elevate Church